This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So welcome everyone to New Church Live. We have a really great service ahead for you today. And I think you're going to leave here inspired and maybe possibly even coming to think of Easter and this season in a new way. Now, I, I want to kind of take a step back and, and talk about Easter kind of from a 10,000-foot view, because not everybody knows the lingo, right? And it's, it's so easy to dive into insider speak on Easter. So I want to just run us through real quick just, just the basics of, of how Christianity has celebrated this for a long time. All right, time to put on your, your sixth-grader hats. All right, ready? The first thing of it is... Palm Sunday. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be talking about Palm Sunday. That's today. That's why it's called Holy Week. This is what kicks it off. After Palm Sunday, the Last Supper. That's what we're going to be talking about at the end of the service. That's why you see these things up here for something called communion. That's how we celebrate the Last Supper. That will be followed next week as we look at Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We're going to be looking at all of those things in turn because they are important and they can actually start to to get us to understand how life works. Now, one of the things we've looked at that I find so fascinating, and this is one that as a history teacher just amazes me, is Christianity is such a radical counter-narrative to the way the world works. Now, the word radical, the word radical, I know for a lot of people, like, radical, you know, you get a little nervous. But the word radical actually is the same root as the word radish. You know, it's the word root. So radical is in going back to the roots. Going back to the roots of who you actually are. Who we actually are as community. And who God actually is, God incarnate. Who we actually can see as, where we can see God. That return is really important because it gives us a way, a, a way to hold the world, a, a paradigm of sorts. And as we looked at, sometimes that paradigm, it's really difficult. Like for those of you who were here last week, we actually talked about the Dallas Cowboys and, and, and how, you know, you know, we interject a counter narrative and it's like, oh, everybody's, you know, sort of rattled about that. And what I'm going to ask us to do is to lean in, to try to really listen to what the counter-narrative is. Because again and again, we see Christ, you know, we see kind of this arc of the story, and then, God of surprises, something else happens. It's the same with Palm Sunday. It's the same with Palm Sunday. And I want to read you the story here from John of, of Palm Sunday. This is called the Triumphal Entry. So what happened is that in this ancient land of occupied Israel, where Israel is today, the capital was Jerusalem, capital of both political capital, and as well, the religious capital. So once a, year, once a year, you had to come back for Passover to that place, come and worship there at the temple. So this was a holy site. This is where people made pilgrimages all the time. And, and the word starts to get out that this guy named Jesus Christ is coming back to Jerusalem for the Passover. And that's where we pick up this story. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. So we look at this. They went out, they took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, let's say the word together, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. 
and let's shout it. Went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. It's like this big, it's like this rock concert. You know, everybody's so excited. Like, here's the guy. And Hosanna means save us now. Save us now. So they saw in this triumphal entry an occupied land, and they saw this guy coming back in, all these people shouting, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. What were they expecting him to save them from? Who can shout it out? The Romans. You're going to save us from the Romans. We are welcoming you as a king. And that's where the palm branches come from. That idea that you would pull palm branches, you'd put them on the road, because heaven forbid, the king or the king's donkey even, get its feet dirty. Other stories in the Bible even talk about people throwing their robes down. Now you can imagine the disciples, just put yourself in their place for a minute. Like imagine you're, you're hanging out and, and here's all these people screaming, hollering, shouting, give me, give me one more Hosanna, shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna, and you're like walking along. I'm with that guy. I'm with him. He's, he's my boy. Right? You can imagine like, oh, this just is growing and growing and growing. Like, wow, triumphant. Now, Christ never leaves stories like that. Kind of interesting. He always gives us a little twist, a little different way to see things. Because we tend to see things in a very idealized version. This is an old painting of Palm Sunday. And you see the three little cherubs. Now, nobody actually dressed like that back then. They really didn't. And you see the doves up on the top. That's the Holy Spirit. You see there's three of them, the Trinity, Holy Spirit. You see all the symbolism in there. And and that's kind of the idealized way we can see it. Now, I want to say, I want to start by saying there's there's nothing wrong with that image. I mean, there's at certain times in our life, that image really can serve us well. It wouldn't be in God's word if it didn't. So it's not about saying, that's a bad image. No, no, no. It's about saying, that's an image. Let's, let's allow it to unfold. Let's allow it to unfold. That's the beautiful part about how this book is written. And not a lot of people in this. I certainly didn't. Well, until really, frankly, I got into theological school, seminary. And, you know, the way the Bible is written is they have all these different perspectives on Christ's life, north, south, east, and west, just like in this building. If we were around in a circle and we described it, we'd each be able to see different things because we were coming at it from a different perspective. So we have this story of what happened with Palm Sunday. And then when you go to another gospel, there's four of them, north, south, east, and west, each giving a different perspective. And, and we're going to look at, at, at a second perspective here, a second perspective, and it comes from Luke. Same thing. It repeats the triumphal entry. Repeats this big, this, this group of people, and they're all shouting, Hosanna. you guys have got that down. They're all shouting Hosanna. But then it goes on. See, Christ, he goes through the, the crowds, everybody like, I'm not, da, 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 this big thing. And then he keeps going. And then we get to this beautiful line. Look at this, folks. And when he drew near and saw the city Jerusalem, I'm going to have you say the W word there. He wept. Hosanna wept over it, saying, would that you, even you had known on this day, the things that make for peace. I mean, and put yourself in the story, folks. 
You come in, all of a sudden you're hanging out with somebody who is just it. They are the bomb, right? You're going to pizza with Marcus at Bertucci's, you know, whatever it might be. You know, you're hanging out like this is really cool. And then the parade goes on and the parade kind of drifts apart. And you see this person who you are following and you see them start to cry. And you see them start to wonder like, wow, do we really know the things that make for peace? Do we really know that? Very, very different view of the story. Very different way to hold it. New Church says with this that this is, this is because Christ knew that, that as it as happens with us individually, happens to church institutions, us individually, church institutions, is, is the church gets to a point where it, it dies. Again, dies so something else can be born. But that death is hard. Now, I, I want to kind of put that into context in terms of what that means. I kind of see the triumphal entry, like Christ coming in like, oh, God's going to solve all my problems, every single one of them. Is that true? And it's a trick question. <laughs> Is that true? Just shout out some answers. If we got no and yes. If we got yes. You're both right. It's a yes, no answer. Like, like, of course, God is there to solve your problems in a certain way, but it's not going to be the way you thought, right? I'm not going to have you raise hands. I know some of you are coming in here today with money problems, right? One thing I can promise you, if you pray to God, he will not have you win the lottery tomorrow. See, that's the magic thinking. I want to say that again, magic thinking. God's going to come in. Hosanna, save us. Here's all my problems, God. I'm going to give you the list, and then you're going to solve all of them for me. Thank you. That's, that's not how it tends to go. Not how it tends to go. I, I, I think, folks, you know, I, I love working with athletics. Love working with athletics. And it's, it's interesting when you work with people who are, who are athletes and, and you see the role prayer can play. A lot, of, a lot of people do believe if I pray just the right way, I'm going to win the game. That, that works until it doesn't. You get that? That works until it doesn't. And you can see Christ going like, oh boy, you know, I get it, but ah, it just, it, it, it's a mess. You're not really understanding the things that will make for peace in your life. For peace in your life. Now as the band comes out from the next song, as the band comes out for the next song, why don't you just to think about that question? Yeah, what are the things that actually make for peace? And how can this story start to pull us to that next thing where we understand the word one, understand the word one very differently. We understand connection very differently. We understand, we, we stop moving away from trying to understand all the whys and the wherefores of life and we start to really concentrate on the message God is giving us in terms of how. How we move through the challenges that are right in front of us. So, yeah, fascinating, right? And that idea of like, like peace and, and, and this peace. New Church says, you know, peace is not sort of the absence of conflict or the absence of problems or the absence of this. Peace is like what happens when you wake up on a spring morning and you've got a great day ahead of you. 
That's real peace. You know, where, where you're looking forward. Literally, you're looking forward in your life. And, and, and it takes, you know, a, a, a shift in view away from this sort of idealized triumphal entry and understanding what was Jesus actually weeping about. And then coming into the second part of the story, and, and he just doesn't leave us hanging. He inevitably says, yeah, here's the emotion of it. It's sorrow because I feel like people don't get it. And then he always says, and let me show you. Not let me tell you. Let me show you what it looks like. And that's where we pick up this story again. This is from the next chapter. This is from John 13. Again, a beautiful part talking about the washing of his disciples' feet. Now, one of the things I'll say about this, for those of you who've been coming to New Church Live for a long time, I always preach on washing the disciples' feet. And I'll get into the specifics of it. And this is why. Because every time I read through the Easter story, I just breeze through it. I, got, I want to read the whole thing. And then I come to this and it's like, if we get this, we get it. If we get this story, I think we really start to understand what makes for peace. As best we can, blessed and broken ways in this life. So listen to these beautiful words. It was just before the Passover feast when Jesus, uh, that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. The evening meal was being served. So what happens, they're coming in for the Passover meal. Jesus gathers all his friends around him, all his disciples for this kind of this last meal. That's why it's called the Last Supper. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's beautiful imagery. I'm going to step over here, folks. And, and just I want you to look again, just to look for a second at that beautiful imagery there. Yeah, you see, that's, that's Simon Peter, the disciple, he's washing his feet, not very happy. There's a whole other sermon in that. You see some of the other disciples, you see the disciples grabbing his head in the background? My vote is that's Judas going like, what have I done? For those of you who don't know the story of Judas, he's the one who betrays Christ. You have others very curious. It's just, it's a beautiful image. And, and folks, we need, to, we need to see that. We need to see that in a, in a beautiful context. In a beautiful context. We need to see that in context of Palm Sunday. Like imagine this big experience they had just had. And now they have this experience. They go from this Palm, San Palm Sunday with everybody. You're going to say it here again. Palm Sunday, everybody singing and shouting. Hosanna. Hosanna. Down to this. Like, oh, let me wash your feet. Isn't that beautiful? I guess you'd almost bring tears just saying that. I mean, it's a total, total, complete shift on that. So Christ goes around and he's washing their feet. Now, now one of the things I want to say about this, it's easy to think of the disciples that they all had PhDs. They're all ordained pastors. Is that true? Yes or no? No. They were peasants. They were at the lowest of the lowest socioeconomic run. I mean, there were a few there uh, who, who had some means. Mo vast majority of them didn't. Like, they were a lot more fishermen. Like, they literally were fishing, and it was very hand-to-mouth existence. 
Washing feet, folks, at that time, it's what a servant did. So if you went to a very fancy dinner, a servant went around, poured water in a basin, and said, may I wash your feet, sir? Or may I wash your feet, ma'am? It's a little like I went to a really nice wedding on, on, uh, on Friday night, and they came around with sorbet halfway through. Right? I, I had no idea what sorbet is. I, that just is kind of cool. It's kind of something that you do at a fancy meal. This was something you did at a fancy meal. Most of them would have never had that experience. That's really important. Because Christ just isn't saying, oh, I want you to serve people the way you've been served your whole life. He's saying, no, I need you to serve in a way you've never imagined. That you never could have thought of. You never would have pictured. And, and you think, folks, the tenderness of this. The, the tenderness of, of Christ holding their feet. I mean, my feet aren't pretty things. Probably yours aren't pretty things. But, but it's, it's the beauty of that. Like even down to that new church talks about like, like down to our very natural level of our lives. The very natural, the part that touches the earth. Even there, he wants to make that clean and new. He wants us to find something beautiful there. And then Christ offers this beautiful line. He washes their feet. And then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? Now be honest. Be honest. How would you answer that? Yes or no? No. I'd be like, no. I have no clue. I have no idea what you just did. It felt nice. Thank you. (laughs) Could you do the other foot? I wouldn't have gotten it. Please all raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just would not have gotten it. I would not have gotten it. Juxtapose this, folks. Juxtapose this. Really start to look at that. I want us all to take a big breath together as we just look at that picture. Peace. Shalom. An incredibly beautiful image. Juxtaposed with the triumphal entry. Juxtaposed with something far, far, far different. Riding on to serving under. Ready for this? Please listen carefully to this. I'd even take this note on your phone. Hosanna, save us. Washing feet, serve them. That's big. That's incredibly big. You look, folks, at the way that it goes on. Like Christ Jesus, he answers that question. Then he says, well, these are the things I want you to think about. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And you have to see, like, he knows that there's this big catastrophe coming just in a, just in a day. Their world's going to be blown apart. And he's saying, look, you know, I just need you to make sure you're washing one another's feet because I love you. I want you to learn to take care of each other and learn to take care of other people. I have set an example before you that you should do that you should do as I have done for you. Like Christ consistently, I say this over and over again, not one command, not one command in the New Testament to follow me, I mean, excuse me, to worship me. 
all the commands are to follow me. That's what he's saying here. Like, here's the example. Follow this example. Do this. Next slide. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, it's fascinating, folks. Again, like you start to look at that. Jesus, in taking the position of kneeling down, washing people's feet, which position was he taking? The, servant, the position of the servant or the position of the master? Which one? The servant. The servant master. You see, he's, he's taking the position of the servant. And he's, here he's saying, like, like, look, you know, really put yourself at this place. And it's, it's not a place, folks, of, of where, where, you know, you're worthless. That's not it at all. God holds you with in, just incomprehensible value. I mean, he's crazy about you. It's, 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 it's a deep stirring in our heart where we come to that peaceful place where we know who we are, where we've come completely into our identity in God that he has intended for all time. And from there, we can serve, and we serve in a brand new way. Like, it's easy to think of this as all sort of detaching from the world. I don't see that. I see it actually as engaging more and more into the world. And look at this next slide. Let's go back again to Luke. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you even you had known on this day, I'm going to have you say the last word there, the things that make for peace. Isn't that interesting, right? Just because I imagine the disciples, I imagine them all this triumphalism, they go and then there's this disappointment, sort of, why is he crying? Well, he's crying because he feels like maybe we don't quite get it. And in my mind, I imagine, I imagine the disciples, you know, washing, we, seeing Christ do this, armed with a towel. And that, that recollection of, yeah, he, he said, he said, we'll understand the things that make for peace. Maybe this action is what makes for peace. Maybe what's underneath it is what actually makes for peace in our lives. Now I want to step back over here and, and, and talk some about what I think that can really mean in our lives, how that can actually work. So take a look at the big points here. I, I think that the big points that this is talking about. Number one, we're to hold life in each other. Please say the two words there. Each other with tender humility. Does our world need a little tender humility these days? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we need a little tender humility. All of us. Every single one of us needs a little tender humility. We don't get to choose our life. This is real important. We don't get to choose our life. We get to live it. We don't get to choose our life. I mean, it's, it's so fun, you know, when I, when, I, when I work with couples because they're at that point in their life where they really, really believe, like as, at, at the very beginning of the relationship, they're getting to choose everything. I am 52 years old. <laughs> yeah. I, I've like given up that I have choice. <laughs> You know, I, I, I do, but on the other hand, I don't. Like, I have a wife and a family who I love, who I have to take care of, who I have to do things for. I have a congregation that's simply marvelous. Like, got to do things there. You know, like, my, my, my span of freedom is, is not as big as it was when I was in my 20s and I was ready to be an F-15 fighter pilot, which never happened, by the way. Like, it is, it is contracted. But what I do get is I get to live, I, I get to live this life. I get to live this life. Granted, it has some funky looking parts, but, 
I get to live this life, broken leg and all. I get to live this life. We are not given the answers to suffering. This is real important. You notice Christ, like he doesn't gather the disciples around. He says, and to say like, okay, you're going to suffer. This is, and I want to go over the top five reasons, top five ways to understand this. Doesn't say that. Not given the answer to suffering, but we are given a call to, we're given a call to action. We're given a call to action. And last one. In that call, not asked to understand, but asked to serve. This, what I'm about to tell you, really important. Really important. I am getting more and more clear. We will go, everyone in this, in this room has had a part of your story that's been hard and you didn't choose it. You didn't choose it. Every single one of you. It's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. We go to God and we sort of want God to fix that. Hosanna, like, God, fix that. Make that different somehow. But that doesn't always happen. I mean, sometimes it happens, but sometimes it doesn't. We have to get our perspective right. It's not about understanding suffering or the what. Listen carefully. It's not about the what. It's about the how. Could we say the how together? The how. It's about the how. Like, how am I going to go through this? Sermon writing team. Reverend Teresa Huber said this beautiful thing this past week. So we've gone down to Ronald McDonald House a couple times over the past two weeks. I went on the second trip. And what I said, and I say it every time, I'll say it a hundred times from this stage because it's so true. I am continually amazed by, by the resiliency of these parents who have very sick kids. And the fact that this place also has this weird sort of vibe of joy going on, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it's starting to make sense to me. Because those parents can't choose whether they have a sick kid or not. They, they can't choose that. They are left completely powerless. The only thing they can choose, please say the H word, the only thing they can choose is how. The only thing they can choose is how they're going to go through this very, very difficult circumstance. And when you start to think about that, the world really shifts. Not in small ways, folks. It looks small. It's not. I'm standing back behind the the counter there. I'm making chicken. I can stir fry chicken with the best of them. So I'm stir frying chicken, doing that, that stuff. And I see a couple of our parishioners and there's a family there from the Middle East, even in Middle Eastern where this couple from New Church Live walks over to them and the Middle Eastern couple offers them food, lamb and rice. They have a conversation, not all of it's in, you know, it's not all in exchanging words. Some of it's showing pictures on phones. Listen, close your eyes for a second. Gospel of John begins. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You can open your eyes. That's the living word. That's 
the way that Christ asks us to live. That's the way that the world starts to shift. Because imagine that family's experience when they go back to the Middle East. Like, what will they have to say about America? And, and, and it, I, I think that there's just, there's so much power in that, right? There's so much power in the worlds that we can create. And of course, there's, there's so much heartbreak and there's, there's things that, that I don't understand and I, I certainly don't want to be prescriptive about. And can we in our own small way, in our lives, our families, our communities, understand the significance of this foot washing? Understand the world that maybe God is calling us to there. Can we understand the things that make for peace? Can we understand that? I think that's the call. Beautiful, radical, filled with love, and a great deal of joy. Please join me in a big amen. 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 That means it is true. So what I, what I want to do now to close the service is to actually give us a chance to practice this. So one of the musicians is going to come out. We're going to have some very quiet background music. And then you're going to have a chance to practice the next step, which is Holy Supper Communion. You don't have to take it. You can take communion if you'd like to take it. What we practice here at New Church Live is something called Iona Communion. Because we only have one pastor, and there's a lot of you. I can't offer Holy Supper to everybody here. But you can offer communion to each other. And take a look at these words on the next slide. As we look at what communion can be, you can offer communion, and it's bread, wine, if you can drink wine, juice, if, you're, if you can't drink wine, you can't, have, you can't have juice. You offer it to each other, and you say, this is the bread of life, this is the new covenant. If you just want to say those words to yourself, that's fine. And what this is a symbol of, this is, this is a symbol, folks, of, of, of just this, this community that he's calling us to. This, this very basic way of connecting one with another. How he celebrated Easter before Good Friday, before the actual resurrection. And it's a beautiful old, 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 old tradition. It goes back thousands of years. And as you're doing it, just think about that tender humility. Think about that connection that we share one with another. Think about God. Think about what a new covenant in your heart might open up. How might they look? And also take a breath. Fill your heart with peace. Fill your heart with joy. And just enjoy communion together as a congregation. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 